millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Today in history, in 1793, the reign of terror began as harsh measures were undertaken against those suspected of being enemies of the French Revolution. I'm sure you can guess who, ladies and gentlemen. It's the nobles, priests, and Hoarders, also known as the rich. Uh, so Paris was swept up in a wave of executions. And I really wish that would happen in America. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. I am your host, Zachary, and did you know it only takes 30% of workers in a place of employment to form a union? And by going to www.ufcw.org, you can learn more about how easy it is to start a union at your place of work. That was some good information. Thanks, Zach. My name is Megan, and I'm part of the Sad Boy Illuminati. Uh, We are always taking new members, whether you want to join or not. And I'm Matt. Today I learned that it's illegal to hunt Bigfoot in British Columbia, Canada, and Washington State without a hunting license. I also learned that Megan declaring that she wants a French Revolution-style execution spree happening in America lands her on a no-fly list and several other lists that she (laughs) does does not want to be on. Look, it's it's time to bring out the watermelon chopper. She it's can... the summer season still, and we should Does be chopping those watermelons nope. right in half. Is that what they said yeah. when they set up a guillotine in front of? <laughs> no, that would have been so good because the French <laughs> the French did that. Yeah, um, when they were so... having their riots, they set it up in front of uh, Parliament, right? The French Parliament. Yeah, the French Parliament. And they yeah. just put a guillotine outside, and the French Parliament was like, "Okay, fine, we'll give you what you want." <laughs> we need to go back to me being on the no-fly list. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think when you say that you want to kill the ruling class in America. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's whatever. <laughs> that's that's you. That's a Tuesday. That's, literally, well, yeah. No, yeah, here we are. Truly Tuesday. a Tuesday. Um, it, wasn't the last guillotine execution in France like Star in Wars the nineteen seventies? Yeah, last guillotine yeah. execution. The first Star Wars came out the last time that the guillotine was used. Pretty sure they opened 19... the theater. Yeah, the second it was nineteen seventy seven. They were like, okay, let's go watch Star Wars. The head's lopped off. Let's go see Darth and the boys. I also today found out the origin of the Shirley Temple. Oh? Yeah. It's not made from the milk of Shirley Temple. Huh? It's not made from Shirley Temple's own milk. Well, considering she was five at the time that they made it. Oh. Yuck. Yuck. Um, no. So it was because she was going to, like... She was a child star, obviously, and she would go to all these bars with people, but they wanted her to feel included while they were all, like, drinking at the bar, and so uh, a bartender made her a drink that was non-alcoholic. Okay. I mean, that's nice. Nice of them. It's nice, but it's also a child in a bar with adults. Yeah, it's a little bit weird. All right, kids, our strikes have been set to zero and our game of rock, paper, scissors is irrelevant today because Zach told us uh, during the editing process uh, and not actually the editing process, but like the pregame process that he's got a big boy tonight. And you guys have been with us for a long time if you're longtime listeners and you've heard us tell big boy stories. But Zach was like, this one's a chonker. Um he was yep, like I've, a real a real he was like, chunky boy. He's like I've heard of bok choy, but this is a chunk boy. So 
Fucking um, hell. <laughs> I'll take can't. a strike for that. Um, yeah, you can. There so you anyways, go. Uh, Zach said that he was going to go first, and Megan and I both agreed that uh, we'll look at the timestamp when he's done talking and we're done goofing, and we'll decide if we're going to both tell our stories or if one of us is going to tell our story. Um, we haven't determined who will be <laughs> who will be left on the chopping block. Yeah. Um, but that's that's a discussion for later. It's a discussion for when when we get there. And uh, those of you who submit to our Patreon will get to hear us do that discussion in the unedited episode. Yep. Uh, those of you who you know don't will just there will just be a result. So. <laughs> And you'll and have it, to live with that. Anyway, Zach, feel free to take it away whenever you're ready. Yeah, so tonight is one of those nights where I plan on telling some jokes, but I am going to tackle a serious matter. Um, there are some times where I get a little bit grave on this podcast, and this is not like... This is one of them, but I also think that there's so much ridiculousness in this story that I think we can kind of play along at home uh but i i want to preface it beforehand being like hey this is a very dense subject matter which happens in a lot of history but we try to steer on the lighter side anywho i'm rambling uh matt and i actually discussed earlier who should tell this story because he was also interested in this story um but for reasons behind the scenes we decided that uh the reins should go to me on this one well uh, and the reason the bi- behind the scenes is that zach is very good at telling stories about america fucking americans over and i'm like semi good at it i so matt I, in my notes it says <laughs> The behind the scenes was mostly because I wanted to do a multiple part series on it. And also because when it comes to labor laws and fucking up corpo scum because they're greedy pieces of <laughs> shit sucking refuse, I really get into it. Oh, my God. Zach, like we literally had a five second conversation where Zach was like, I could make this multiple parts. And I was like, I'm not that dedicated. <laughs> <laughs> I could make yeah. this multiple parts and go Johnny Silverhand on every fucking part. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here at the last line of this, like, getting ready to get into it is, they can steal all my money, but they can't steal my fucking soul. Fuck you, Corpo shit. <laughs> so, like, oh my, yeah. He's, he's over here, tonight. like, absolutely <laughs> feral tonight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I It's... If you can't tell, we're going to be talking a lot about corporations in America in this Eva little bit that I'm doing here. Um, and as I said, it's going to be a multiple part series. I'm not sure how many parts yet. I kind of am leaning towards three, like a beginning, the actual event, and then the aftermath of the event. Um, but we are going to be talking about the Battle of Blair Mountain. And in this first part, as I said, I'm going to cover a lot about of the lead up to what the before the battle itself, because you need a lot of background in order to fully understand the gravity of what actually happened. At least I think you do. Um, For those of you unaware and for those of you who are are unaware, what's it like to be part of the bourgeoisie? um, Labor in this country has been exploited since the founding of this goddamn nation. Um, hell, the founding fathers couldn't decide what to do with slave labor, so they passed the buck and gave us the Civil War. Clearly, we don't give a fuck about the working class, and we never have. So... No, why would we? Why would we? It's only like we make everything and, like, Wait a minute, are you talking about having feelings for the pores? (laughs) I would never. Why would you accuse me of something like that? I dare you you deign to have feelings for the working middle class no 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 honey we don't talk to the help (laughs) oh my god yeah that's the vibe in this country a lot um but but like the help is also like the help is also just like a middle class mom who's struggling to feed her children yeah it's like 300 million people out of like the 325 million turns people out who that live the here. help is the majority in fact yeah yeah uh, turns yeah. out breaking news 
I, I laugh because I saw I saw an article that came out in like the New York Times recently where I can't remember which like Uber bank it was, but there was some Uber bank that was like, hey, guys, is this the end of capitalism? Question mark. Like, I don't think it's not it's, like a it's merely like publication or anything, like not like a left leaning like news source. It was like a large bank being like, hey, guys, I think we might have fucked this up. I don't, I don't think this is the end. I think we're just, we've ignited the NOS. <laughs> the super capitalism. Like, no, it's really, yeah, that's we're in, how it'll go. It's capitalism. Oh, it's Reaganomics. Then it's yeah. super capitalism. And then it's the that's fall true. of Rome. And then the ultimate heat death of the nation. <laughs> the heat death. The heat the death. The heat death of America. But anyway, I digress. Uh, in 1890, the United Mine Workers Union forms, uh, and this is actually the merging of two different unions, the Knights of Labor Trade and the Nat Nation Progressive Miners Union. Side note, why can't our unions get badass name like the Knights of Labor Trade anymore? Because that's pretty dope. I know. It's trade. This is, I hate the name. Also, the, the names of unions now are like actually stupid. They're always just like... S-E-I-U. Yeah. It's like, what does that even stand for? Like, uh, electrical workers of the coast union, blah, blah, blah. Dude, yeah, give me a name like Knights like of Labor Trade, where I think, I think you're going to show up to the labor agreement in a full set of armor well, and a battle axe and be like, give me what I want. That's like somebody made oh, a I point just... that hurricanes should be named more deadly because then people would actually take them serious. If you yeah. name oh, yeah, your like union something serious... People will take you serious. Yeah, like no one cares. You know what I do with the emails that my union sends me? Because I'm part of SEIU, which is Service Employees International Union. Yeah. Dumb. Um, I put them all in spam Jeez. because it's a lame name. Fair enough. Fight me. Uh, I won't fight you. They should be fighting for you and your rights. Anyway. They should be fighting for me not working in 88 degree weather. They should be fighting for that. Zach's so, never like, going to get through this story. That's not even a joke. <laughs> well, this is why we gave him the We're breath. We're literally of, just yeah, going to shit it. on unions and corporations without Zach yeah. even mentioning the backstory. So anyway... The two groups that I just mentioned come together to form one union because there were a lot of small unions for, like, laborers and miners around the country. And they figured, hey, if we organize into one big union, we'll have a lot more negotiating power. And they did. They were able to actually get a lot more deals and a lot more rights for their workers in the United Mine Workers Union. But the problem with that is greedy corpo fucks are going to greedy corpo fuck. And the fat cats in Mingo County, West Virginia, and the surrounding mining companies didn't like the unions. So they only hired non-union workers or started contracts that were only non-union and wrote into these contracts that joining a union was grounds for immediate firing. So if you even uh. whispered the word union, you were automatically thrown out. And this is a bigger... <laughs> It's a bigger issue because even, when you're working for these mining companies, you're also only living in mining company towns. So your house, your food, your well-being is all handled by the guy who isn't paying you enough each paycheck each week. Should have read the fine Yeah, print. and then all the money is going back to them, too. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah, all the money's going back to the company that's paying you at the end of the week. As Matt mentioned, you should have read the fine print. That's a great fucking song from... That song's so good. And it's so it's accurate. It's so good. It is so accurate. If anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, we're talking about uh, fine print by... Is it the Stupendium? Yeah, I think. I believe yeah, I like, think it's, it's a song based off of Outer Worlds, the game, which but it's is also such a great... To, like, it's accurate to this situation, and I think... Uh, the Outer Worlds, that whole, the, like, consortium is based on, like, old-school boomtown mining type shit yeah. like this. Yeah, Outer Worlds is a very good example of, like, the, like, shit that a lot of these companies would pull This corporation then. exists it's... to fuck you over in every way possible. Exactly, exactly. Um, but I digress. If you guys want to, if the audience has not or 
wants to play uh, Outer Worlds, highly recommend. It's a great game with great critiques of capitalism, both current and past. Um, but so these mining companies in West Virginia are like, you have to live in the mining town. Your family can live here. But basically, you pay us back 90% of your paycheck each week so that you can live. Um, and you're not allowed to be in a union. And as I said, you unionize, you get fired, you get fired, you get kicked out of the company town and left on the street. So you basically are like stuck in this perpetual toxic you know, relationship with your boss. It's great. Um, and in late October of 1919, um, almost 30 years after the forming of the United Main Workers Union, um, they announce that there is going to be a strike taking place on November 1st to kind of like get more there. Again, like this is like before all the mining companies had like agreed to pay a little bit more and they were like, all right, we're striking on November 1st. They gave like adequate time that they needed to, to be like, Hey, prepare for this. We're not coming to work after November 1st. It's like a two weeks notice here. You're good, right? If not, that's not my problem. Um, that's, and, not my, that's not my job. And the, they did this because the coal industry had grown and made these huge profits off the back of World War One, and the workers wanted fair compensation for their efforts. Like, at this time in 1919, like, everything was fucking coal-powered still. Like, oil had not completely taken over and so these workers were like hey we really helped everyone out during world war one and now we're continuing to do the same amount of production as we were during wartime can we have a fucking pay raise please and as they announced the strike is going to be happening on november 1st 1919 enter attorney general a mitchell palmer the shit sucker who during the month of november in 1919 also sets up raids against home and targeted jewish and italian immigrants under the guise of deporting communists but that's another story um enter him and he obtains an injunction to invoke the lever act which was a wartime measure that basically makes it a crime to interfere with the production and transport of necessary goods. And as I said, coal ran this country, making it a necessary good. And the problem is this was a really important law. The Lever Act was a really good law because it was made during World War I to keep companies from hoarding goods because what companies were going to do is they were going to hoard all the goods that were necessary for the war effort driving the price up and then selling them to hurt, turn huge profits off the inflated prices of the necessary goods. And so the Lever Act was like, yeah, no, you guys, we need food, bullets, and bombs, so you're going to give them to us without any question. Don't hoard your shit or it's illegal. But Palmer took that and leveraged it against the unions after World War One. Instead, being like, oh, well, you guys can't strike because that's against the Lever Act. Oh, okay. Which is fucking <laughs> Sorry, bullshit. That, that's against the rules. Yeah. Basically, it was like, here, I'm going to take this really important piece of legislation that prevented corporations from harming the common man during World War One, and I'm going to turn it against the common man. Mm-hmm. Yep, classic. And this pisses off the president at the time, Woodrow Wilson, because he was like, no, don't do that. We need the coal industry, so don't fuck with the coal industry. No, please. We need the coal industry. The so children this, yearn for the mines. The children yearn they for the mines. They yearn for the mines. So doing this, Palmer does this, and it pisses off Woodrow Wilson, and it pisses off the head of the Department of Labor. And because, again, as I said, Palmer was told not to pull this crap, but Palmer is a piece of shit. And... He does this, the strikes still go on, and they still end up getting allowed to be done. Um, and the strikes happen from November 1st, 1919 to December 10th, 1919. Uh, and the miners get a 14% pay increase. Yay, I'm glad they do. And that's actually not the what Battle is of a Blair pay Mountain. Increase? That's what I want to know. I've never heard of those two words put together. Pay and increase. increase. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, I've, 
I just the I can you just say it one more time, maybe a little bit slower, so they I can got like really a pay increase. Shit, I have I to just... change pants. <laughs> I know, but yeah. So that that's actually that is the strike the the miners strike of nineteen nineteen and. That is a really it's it's a weird thing to be like, hey, we're going to talk about a strike that happened before the strike that happened before the battle. But the minor strike of 1919 is extremely important because it's the one of the first times that the miners get a chance to prove their strength with a union and allow themselves to actually like hold their own against the corporations. And it's also important because that 14 percent never touches West Virginia coal mines. Because mm-hmm. remember, yes, classic. those mine owners refuse to hire a union workers and fire you for even thinking about forming a union. Yes. So West Virginia is still under this like, hey, we're going to pay these people absolute shit and they're going to get nothing but black lung from it. And by the mid-1920s, not even six months after the 1919 coal strike, people are pushing to strike in the West Virginia mines. And eventually over 3,000 Mingo County miners rise up and join a union, and they are promptly fired the day that they join the union. Nice. Wow. And as soon as they are fired, the company turns around and hires the Baldwin Feltz Detective Agency. And if any of you paid attention like six months ago to Hasbro hiring a private detective agency, you can see where this is Mm -hmm. fucking going. Oh, good. Because a private detective agency in this fucking country basically means we're going to hire a private army that has so much extrajudicial power that they can do whatever the fuck they want. You know it, baby. So just like Hasbro hiring the Pinkerton Detective Agency to raid someone's home, the coal miners hire the Baldwin Felt Detective Agency and they come in and they evict all of these people who decided to unionize from company housing and they stay on after as union busters. And in case you need any more proof that the Baldwin Felt Detective Agency fucking sucks... Uh, They are responsible for the Ludlow Massacre of 1914, where they helped attack a group of striking coal miners and their families, leaving 21 people killed, including women and children. So. I just like I wish I had so much money where I was just like, I wish I could like hire a small militia force. (laughs) Yeah, right. How much? I don't know what I would use it for, but yeah. But, like, how much fuck you money do you have to have to be like, I'm going to hire a small army for f- because I can? I don't know. Like, <sighs> I assume it's cheap, maybe. It, it's coal money. That's all there is. You just need coal it's money. It's coal money. Yeah, if, if only I had some good coal money. If only my papa had invested in a small papa. piece of land. My papa. And then papa. He, he put a put a pickaxe in the ground and then he licked it like Yukon Cornelius and Rudolph and he said "Mm." gold and silver and Um, coal there's coal in this and coal it's better than gold um but Albert Feltz who was one of the brothers who helped found the agency uh goes into the local town and tries to bribe the mayor of the town to allow the detective agency to put up machine guns on the roof of the town as deterrence from any of the miners coming into town and, like, telling anyone the horrible shit that's going on. Um, and the mayor refuses. What a champ. The only good person in this story, clearly. Um, what a champ. Well, that and the coal workers. That and the coal workers. Um, and so the Feltz Detective Agency, Baldwin Feltz Detective Agency, is there. They don't get permission to put up machine guns, but they're still causing chaos. And... On May 19th, 1920, the Baldwin Feltz detectives forcibly remove a woman and her children at gunpoint, along with all of the other families of the striking union, the union striking miners. And they throw them out and all of their belongings into the rain, into the streets, and are like, fuck you, find somewhere else to go. Uh, 
And all of the miners see this and they get absolutely pissed. And they're like, what are we supposed to do against a national detective agency? Uh, I guess we'll go to the police. I guess. I guess. And they go to the police and they find specifically police chief Sid Hatfield, which great fucking name. It is Uh, a good name. And Sid Hatfield is like, this is bullshit. I'm immediately deputizing all of the miners who came into my office and told me this story. Let's go round up those son of a bitches. Sons of bitches. That's the proper terminology. Um, I think so. So Sid Hatfield and the miners end up going to arrest Albert Feltz and the people from the Baldwin Feltz detective agency who had done all this shit. And as they approach the men, the men from the agency claim that they actually have a warrant for the arrest of Sid Hatfield, the chief of police. And Sid's like, this is weird. Okay, uh, fine. And then they like go into like a building to like they go into like a general store to be like, all right, let's figure this out, because clearly something's fucky here. Uh, one of the miners runs to the mayor's office and gets the mayor and is like, uh, yeah, the Baldwins are trying to, like, arrest the chief of police. You should come down here and figure out what's going on. So the mayor shows up. Sid Hatfield takes a look at the warrant and is like, um, this warrant is total bogus. This is not a legally binding thing at all. The mayor confirms, hey, it's this is just on a, a fucking sli- napkin. It's it's Ron Swanson with permission to do whatever he wants. Just that little piece permission of to do whatever <laughs> I want. Yeah, like that's the level of bogus it was. Uh, and the Fel- Baldwin Feltz agency response to being called on their bullshit is to open fire on everyone. And yes, that is that is the way that you do it. Um, sometimes do when it. I also going to work i say i don't want to do this anymore i don't like it and i open fire as well yeah she just came in blasting anyway my fire my my fire is uh my my sick burns (laughs) get into the burn ward for these sick burns um and at the end of when the when the dust settles uh 10 men are dead and that includes the mayor of this town because he was one of the unarmed people there. Include and so the miners well, and the mayor were unarmed, and ten people were gunned down. However, hats off to Chief Hatfield because he's a fucking legend. And out of the ten people that were de- dead, seven of them were Baldwin Feltz agents because he just fucking fanned the hammer and went nuts. Nice. So I, I, you know what? I can't believe I'm saying this, but good job, policeman. No, nope, that's the one nope, time I'm ever going to say it. Nope, take it back. Take it back. It's you know just what? The one no, time. you know what? I'll give it to you. This guy is all right. Yeah, he he like we can't clearly say was it like, in modern day times, guys, but we can say it about some historical police officers. Yes, like exactly. Bass Reeves. I'll tell exactly. that story. I'll tell that story another time. It's a good one. Um, but yeah, so so Sid Hatfield ends up taking out seven of these guys. The mayor and two miners die. Um, and so ten people are dead. And Chief Hatfield is like, I am going to be the guy. Like, I'm going to be the face of why this union is important. I'm going to go up and stand trial for killing these seven men and I'm going to, like, pose for pictures the entire time and puff out my chest and be like, you come for the common man and this is what you get. And it's awesome. And not only is that awesome, but it's also awesome that Hatfield is acquitted for all of the killings, which is great. He never sees a second of jail time for the, the gunfight. And I love that. But what I don't love is that the unions are still getting the short end of the stick because the mine owners use Hatfield's trial as a way to be like, all right, everyone's paying attention to the trial. Let's go import a bunch of workers and then force any striking miners who like need to come back to work to sign contracts that say that they cannot unionize whatsoever. So the mines get fully stocked back up and like 
by the time Stocked. of mid-May 1921, like, 85% of the mines are running back up to full, if not more than full operation. Yeah. Because they forced these people, people back to work. The or, shelves filled yeah. with people. The mine shelves. But... So, mid-May of 1921 comes around, and the Union miners launched the three-day battle, where miners, like, grabbed guns and attacked non-Union mines. Which... Good for them, but what ends up coming out of it is a lot of people getting their heads busted open and the state of West Virginia enforcing martial law, uh, which was only done so that the law and order could arrest people for minor offenses. And it is basically, as I said, just like used to be like, all right, well, you guys want to like talk about unionizing you're going to jail for the next like several months so you can't actually organize you're going to jail and on august 1st 1921 uh hatfield is headed into a courthouse for like some more trials and stuff with his wife when a group of baldwin felts agents appear at the top of the courthouse steps and open fire on him killing him and maiming his wife on the spot and this act leads the miners to organize and march on the West Virginia Capitol to hold a rally and demand justice. As the agency men, like, never saw any issue for getting, doing, just murdering a man on at the courthouse. Like, they never saw any, they never even saw a courtroom for it. Um, so they, the miners march on West Virginia, the West Virginia capital, and on August 7th, 1921, the Battle of Blair Mountain truly begins. So everything I have stated up until this point is just background and the cauldron bubbling over to actually lead to the Battle of Blair Mountain. Wow. That was a lot so of So as I said, it's a multiple-part series. Yeah. So... <laughs> and it's for a good reason. And like... This background information is so much, and, like, I, I didn't want to be like, let me condense this into a 20-minute story, because there is so much that leads up to it that makes it so important. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta do this in multiple parts. Yeah. And so now that Zach's so, story is over. Yes. Well, so now he's going to, next time tell the actual story of what he meant to tell this time yes yeah this was the setup yeah so it's the setup the action and then the i'll probably do a whole episode the on aftermath. like the aftermath of what came of the battle of blair mountain because like not to give away too many spoilers but the battle of blair mountain really kicks off what is known as the coal wars so the coal wars yes I hate that. I also hate that. I hate that so much. There's not it's a lot not about a that time. that I enjoy. Yeah. Um, so now it's up to Megan and I to kind of decide who goes next, I think, because right now we're sitting at 54 minutes. Well, on my time stamp, at least. 10. Well, we, we were doing the... After we dark. did do an after dark before this. Yes. So we started at the twenty minute mark. I went for thirty five minutes. Okay. So Zach has yeah. talked for thirty five so, minutes. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I can jump in. Okay. I'll jump in. Uh, I don't. I don't have a snappy title for this. Oh no. Um. Well. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Like, I just, I just don't. I think the story is going to speak for itself. Okay. Okay. It so, doesn't need um, a title. It cut. It's a whole episode of firsts. I know. I feel like it doesn't need a title. So I'm just going to jump in. And then I think a fun activity at the end is if we come up if with a title together. If we all name it together. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I love that okay. journey for us. Okay. Yeah. So this is the journey for us. Um, so I wish that when I die the way that my story is remembered is like with mythic overtones you know yeah like you become someone of legend some of the things you did people aren't really sure that actually happened they're just sort of like oh i heard that she had chicken legs and was the fastest runner in the west and no one was really yeah like no one was really sure um have either of you seen that movie which what one? Movie? Big Fish. No. No. Oh my god. Okay. I've heard. I've heard it's really good. I got. Big see Fish it. is a really good movie. It's a Tim Burton movie, and the only way that you really know that it's a Tim Burton movie is because Helena Bonham Carter is in it. But oh, isn't Danny course. DeVito That's... in it? Danny DeVito is also in it. But like the whole premise of the movie is that this guy's dad is has just been telling fish? stories his whole life. And, like, the stories that he's told are outlandish. And so mm-hmm. the guy, like, goes back to his hometown and tries to get the truth out of his father. And, like, it's just, it's a great, but this is what Megan wants to be, is, like, someone that, yeah, that, is someone what that I is, want. like, I want... mythically remembered by everyone she knows and I loves. Want... Yeah, like, I, and I want, like people to know me across the country right like i want people to be like oh yeah i heard i heard of that person in this part anyway so i want it with mythic overturns now i'm not going to tell you outright what this woman did Mm -hmm. um that i am about to talk about uh but i am going to take a page out of your book matt and bury the lead so you'll be surprised at the end with how her story made it into like urban japanese legend wonderful bring it so um she's a queen i assure you her name name is sada abe uh not to be confused with shinzo abe the longest serving prime minister of japan um rest in peace was just assassinated and she was born in 1905 to a family of tatami mat makers in tokyo so as japanese as you can get truly uh she was one of eight children because the pull-out method hadn't been invented yet and uh, however it didn't exist until when you put your penis inside a woman in those days you were just locked in until the deed was done (laughs) (laughs) it was locked and loaded um yeah so eight children and she was the only one of four of the children who survived until adulthood because again it's 1905 and things suck yeah yeah Uh, i don't make the rules i just report on them so (laughs) though her parents were reported to have had like no moral or social blemishes on their records their children were not so lucky so Sada's brother was a womanizer and ran away with his parents' money after his marriage. Yeah, um, as you do. And as you do. And her sister had several lovers, which doesn't seem like a moral blemish. So her, but what her father did does because he was just like, oh my god, you you've had so many lovers. That's gross for a girl. And so he sent her away to work at a brothel. Which I guess was like a form of punishment for female promiscuity in Japan at the time. Well, so here's the thing. Like, I'd imagine you, you that... You like to fuck, so we're going to send you a place where you can fuck. But it's also it's <laughs> yeah, also like... sort of like you're already spoiled goods, so there's no harm in us sending you to a brothel. 
Oh, it's probably I, how I they guess, see it. I guess, but it just... I guess. It's probably how they uh, see it. I can't speak for them. I'm not in probably. 1905 Japan. I, that's true. We're, who, who is in 1905 Japan? We gotta get in the Ford Tacoma. Um, <laughs> so she gets sent to a brothel. Uh, and... I guess, like, don't judge their dad too harshly because he was, like, a good dad and bought his daughter back and got her to marry after all this. So, like, I guess it all worked out. He's just like, now that you fuck, people have fucked it out of you, you can be a proper wife. (laughs) I assume is what was said. So, Sada, on the other hand, was her mother's favorite because she was the youngest surviving child, so she, by default of death, got to be the baby of the family. Um, She was encouraged uh, by her mom to take on singing and shamisen lessons, uh, which were activities more closely related to that of a geisha. However, as family problems began to escalate with her siblings, Sada was sent out of the house uh, on her own to, like, not be part of the argument. So her parents were, like, we're sort of getting into it, like, just go take a walk. Um... So she had a lot of time by herself and she fell in with a group of independent teenagers, you know, those, the teenage dirtbags, if you will, of uh, early 20th century Japan. And she hung out with them. Uh, It was on one of these outings um, that she was sexually assaulted by one of her acquaintances. So that's really great for this story. Uh, He was a university student, and her parents originally supported and defended their daughter. um, You know, like, the bare minimum of what parents should do in this situation. But then, like, Sada became, like, a difficult teen due to trauma. And, like, I have the little... No shit. uh, Like, I have, like, the little stars next to the trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that, the, uh, yeah, like the little emojis. The one that um, kind of makes so audience. I, you guys probably have your own mental image of what the stars next to the word trauma means, but I'm just gonna share an insight into my life. Is that whenever anybody writes something with like the stars, I picture it unfolding like that one scene from SpongeBob where he says imagination. So, like, when Megan says trauma with the stars, I just picture her opening her hands and the word trauma just existing with, like, sparkles. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. So, trauma. Imagine my hands going out in an arc. Um, So, her parents did what was natural with a difficult teenager. They sent her to a geisha house in Yokohama in 1922, hoping to give her some direction. They're like, you know what? You can get a job. Uh, because we we can't deal with this anymore. So there is some conflicting information at this point in the story because while her sister claimed that Sada wanted to become a geisha, Sada herself said that this was a punishment from her father. She's like, I didn't really want to become a geisha. Um, And even if this was something that she wanted, she couldn't really, like, rise to stardom in the geisha world because, like, to do that, it required her to have been like apprenticed from childhood so she could never really rise beyond a low rank and one of her main duties was to provide sexual services to clients which she did for five years during which she contracted syphilis again with the stars um Syphilis. So, deciding that she was already performing the duties of a prostitute, she decided to get paid like one, and she began to work in Osaka's famous brothel district during the 30s. However, she soon... I know. She's like, listen, I'm gonna get paid like I'm working. Thank you. If I'm a working girl, I'm gonna get paid like a working girl. That's what I'm saying. Pay, be paid for your, for what you do. Uh, so she soon gained a reputation as a troublemaker in the brothels. She stole money and attempted to leave the brothels several times, but was hunted down and brought back by the prostitute Gestapo. 
And eventually she managed to leave and started working as a waitress, but waitressing doesn't pay as well as blowjobs, so she went back to prostitution. Um, this time, though, she was unlicensed. It was like the at night Ooh. in SpongeBob. Uh so in 1934, her brothel was raided by the police, but one of her clients found out and that she was arrested and he was like, oh no, my favorite, my favorite girly. And he arranged for her release. And this guy, he was attracted to her and decided to make her his mistress, setting her up with a house and an income like a good sugar daddy does. Mm. <laughs> sugar, sugar daddy does what sugar daddy do. That's the name of your fucking yeah. story. Sugar daddy does what sugar daddy do. I Well, we're not. We're this not isn't what's giving we're her mythics. We're not there yet. We're not okay. at the end. Um so everything's going fine until <laughs> until he dun, found dun, dun. Uh, until he found that she was quote unquote insatiable and after <laughs> a few weeks he was exhausted by her demands for sex jeez i i watched a video once and this woman was just like so Every man says that they want a woman who is a diesel engine. Nope. And she's, yeah, and so she was like, what I mean by that is diesel engines take a long time to warm up, but once they're running, they don't stop. Boys don't want diesel engines. Men want diesel engines. <laughs> yeah. And I was I, like, that's funny. I love that, but, like, also, man... Sometimes I'm EB. Sometimes I get home from work at four and I got there at 545 and I'm EB. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I. And I'm listen, over here I and I don't even want an engine at all at this point. I just want someone to hold me. <laughs> well, that's a different type of engine. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's just, it's a different engine. Um, that's like an, that's like a, I don't know, like a hybrid, I guess. <laughs> something, something, something soft. It's like an e-bike. Yeah. So she, she also wanted him to leave his wife for her, but he refused. And she was like, well, if you aren't going to satisfy me and... Can I at least, like, have another lover? Which he was just like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> he was like, absolutely not. I know and so I'm the not relation getting the ended. job done, but you can't go see anyone else. Yeah, he was just like, listen, I know that I'm not willing to leave my wife. But, like, I paid for the apartment, so come on. <laughs> um, so... The relationship obviously ended with this man declaring that she was a slut and a whore and a woman that men should fear, which I think is a compliment. I I was going to say, honestly, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love like, that. Men should fear her. Yeah, like, thank you. Um, they're, they're clearly because, not good like, enough. They're, you're clearly not good enough. You're not doing what you're supposed to. And if it takes you fearing me to leave me alone... Then I've done my job. But this is also nothing like else I can the do. first case of one of those guys, one of the like cringe guys, where it's like I was a nice. You guy. don't have enough PP for this move. Can I move on to something yeah. else? And he's like, "No, you're a slut. You're a whore. I didn't like you anyways." Yeah. Yeah, you're a bitch. And it's just like, oh, now you feel this way. Yeah, because before you were saying that I couldn't go anywhere else and that I, like, I was really attracted. The only difference like, in this case is that this guy actually got the girl and then started saying these things. Yeah. But, like, in the case with, you know, the incels of America, they don't. <laughs> the and then incels. they're just like, you're a slut. It's true. It's true. I'm calling you out, incels. I know that you guys listen to this podcast. Hey, incels? <laughs> uh... Consider yeah, yourself yeah, all the incels. And then yeah, we, we are going to not so politely ask you to leave. That's true. Uh, so after her incel boyfriend um, decided that he wanted to break up with her because his feelings and his penis was hurt, um, she decided that she wanted to go into business for herself. 
So she became an apprentice in a Tokyo restaurant. And the owner was also known as a womanizer, because who isn't in this story? And he started making advances towards her, which she was receptive of. Uh, So they started their sexual relationship in the restaurant to the accompaniment of a romantic ballad sung by one of the establishment's geisha. Lovely. Which I, I love this setup because I'm just like imagining... You know in Pretty Woman where they have sex on the piano? Yeah. I'm imagining the geisha, like, kneeling there playing the shamisen, and she's, like, being forced to kind of, like, watch watch them them while she's, like, singing and being like, man, I really wish... Yeah, I wish HR had been invented. <laughs> I wish <laughs> I wish there was someone I could talk to about this. Uh, so after they, um, I don't know, like scarred this geisha, uh, these two then went on a two week long fuck fest where they bounced around from different tea houses. Uh, which was, like, the OG version of, like, the love hotels that they have in Japan today. Because mm-hmm. um, you could just, like, rent out rooms and tea houses and, like, have tea and fuck. And it was private. Uh, so when Sada was interviewed about this man whose name was Ishida, she said, I had never met such a sexy man. Um, and she was interviewed later for, for reasons, which we're getting to. Okay. So... She does say that to the police. She was like, he was sexy. And they were like, ma'am, that's not what we're asking. So, <laughs> ma'am, this is an Arby's. <laughs> ma'am, this is, this, this is a police station. <laughs> he was hot. So after their... It's hot. So after their two weeks together, Abe started drinking excessively. She said that Ishida had taught her true love. Was she not and doing that, that the be- whole time? drinking excessively yeah i don't think so i think like she did drink but like not Not to excess yeah not to excess um but that she it really started ramping up and she said that ishida had taught her true love and that him being back with his wife was making her insanely jealous because of course he's married and this is when she began to contemplate his murder naturally yeah as you do Excellent. Yeah, excellent. And this is when she started doing her research. She needed some inspo. So she she went to a play. And she was (laughs) like, this is where I'm gonna get it. Go to a play. Yeah, she she was like like how noir though. She's just like, I'm gonna go, like I'm the arts are gonna bring it out of me. Um, and this is why you need to leave the art kids alone, <laughs> because like, you don't know what they're capable of. So she's like, I'm going to go to a play. I'm going to like, it's going to happen. Um, and in the play, a geisha attacks her lover with a knife. And Sada was like, amazing, ingenious. Like, this is it. I've like, God has spoken to me, the kami inside of me speaking. And she decided to not kill Ishida, but threaten him with a knife at their next meeting. So she pawned some clothing and she used the money to buy a big ass knife. And the (laughs) next time they met, she pulled out the knife and was just like, I've seen you with other women. I'm going to kill you. And then she, she didn't kill him and they fucked instead because like, I don't know, knives are hot. It's a romance um, novel, apparently. It's a, it's a romance. It's truly a romance. But, like, these two truly made for one another. So, realizing that they were kind of, like, into threatening each other, they began experimenting with autoerotic asphyxiation because that's what comes after knives. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. That's the natural progression. But Sada took it too far one night, and as Ishida was sleeping, she strangled him until he died. Which... You know, it's not fair if you can't. Yeah, well, it's not fair when you can't say the safe word, right? Like he's sleeping. Leave the leave the man alone. He's so she. He's sleeping. Like he's tired. He's he's eepy. (laughs) Just taking a nap. He's taking a nap. Um. So then he took the biggest nap of all, death. 
Big Eepy. So, Got the it. Big the Big Eep. The Big Eepy. The Big Eepy. Um, maybe that's the name of the story, <laughs> The Big Eepy. <laughs> so she self-reported to the police afterwards that when he was dead, uh, she felt a sense of peace as if a heavy burden had been lifted from her shoulders. And she laid with the body for a few hours, then cut off his penis and testicles with her knife and wrapped them in a magazine to cover them and kept them in her kimono until her arrest three days later. Normal. (laughs) Um, And then, with the blood, she wrote, We... Sada and Ishida are alone on Ishida's left thigh and bedsheet, and she carved her name into his arm and then put on his underwear. And then when she left the inn, she told the staff not to disturb him because he was tired. Uh, I think she might be going a little bit crazy from the syphilis at this point. It might be the syphilis or it might be Maybelline. Who can say? (laughs) Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it's Maybelline. So, Ishida's death was a national sensation. The search for Sada became known as Abe Sada Panic, and the police received sightings of her from various cities, one of which caused a stampede and a traffic jam because people were so scared. Meanwhile, Sada was contemplating suicide and practicing necrophilia. Uh, she said she felt attached to his penis and that she was going to jump off of a mountain while holding it like a penile parachute. Um, I think penile then, parachute is the name of the, uh, <laughs> the story. It's the name. We finally, we did it. I forgot that I wrote that. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good, that's a good sentence. So when the police finally found her, she showed them the penis. She was like, look at my, look at this penis. Look at this cool and dick I have. <laughs> look at this cool thing I have. Because they're like, who are you? And she was like, one, penis. And she was like, I'm Sada Abe. Uh, and, why, and the pre- police presumably were like, ooh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Um, but put that away. Uh, so while being interviewed, they asked why she had had taken the penis and she said it was because she couldn't take his whole body and she I'm just wanted the, part- the important parts and that's it <laughs> she's like this this is the most important part uh she said that she wanted the part that brought back the most vivid memories and <laughs> i i I know, and I assume all the police officers were like, "Ma'am, please, this is this is again a police station. This is an Arby's. Can you stop? This is an Arby's. This is a police station Arby's." <laughs> so, <laughs> when asked why she had killed him, she said, "Because we couldn't be husband and wife, and I killed him, so no other woman could ever touch him again." Oh my god! And this was the answer that people were fascinated by. They, like, the Japanese populace, when they learned about this, said that she had killed him not out of jealousy, but out of love. Like, they were like, oh my god, this is a true love story. Like, she's a hero. I mean... Uh, Okay. Listen, I'm... We're not done. So it was also like a story that distracted the nation from the political and military turmoil as it was entering, as Japan was entering and gearing up for World War II. Um, Also, when details of the crime were made public, rumors started that Ishida's penis was fucking huge. Like, I don't know. (laughs) It's a massive schlong. I don't I don't know, like, why that was the natural, like, rumor mill thing, but, like, that's where we ended up. But then the rumors got to be, like, so rampant that the police had to make a public statement and be like, we are here to disclaim those rumors. It was just average. It was just okay. (laughs) It was just okay. They were like, it was just average. Size doesn't make a man in bed. Technique and his desire to please do. Wow, dude. Oh my wow, god. Dude. So, 
I know. The police, the police came were out there here. And were like, it's not the size of the boat. It's the motion in the ocean. They truly did. They were like, this is getting out of hand. Like, we don't want anyone to feel bad about themselves. In order to preser- preserve all the men in this nation's egos, we're going to be like, it wasn't that fucking big, guys. Chill. It it wasn't that big. It's okay. Everyone uh, is doing a great job. Uh, but then I assume, like, Ishida from, like, Beyond the Grave was like, come on, guys. You son of a bitch. I was hung like a horse. Yeah, like, we couldn't have let that one go. Um, but so then his penis and his testes were then put on display at the Pathology Museum in Tokyo University. They have since disappeared. Guys, leave this man's dick alone. Like I know everybody. Okay, but his own girlfriend couldn't leave his dick alone. So I know, but like, look, you know how like there's some cultures that believe that you can't like pass beyond this mortal plane until you are whole. Mm. Like, yeah, mm, I don't want him to be fucking Rasputin and fucking Anastasia. (laughs) That's where's listen until we until we find the dick. He, he will never be whole. He cannot go home. He wanders the, uh, the spirit realm dickless. Yeah, some say his spirit is still wandering dickless to this <laughs> in day. Dickless limbo. In dickless limbo. Rest in he can't rest in peace. Uh so during her trial, crowds gathered and the judge presiding over the case admitted he was a little turned on by some of the details which is not really something you want your judge (laughs) saying like where's hr um so obviously abe was convicted and she said she wanted the death penalty but she was sentenced to just six years in jail and she was released after five her police record and confession became a national bestseller and she was used as symbols of both female sexuality and a threat to the patriarchy so hell yeah threaten the patriarchy um, as soon as i found so out now that the that patriarchy heard... wasn't about horses i lost interest <laughs> oh yeah soon i lost interest so now that i've gone through my whole story do we have like a like a spicy title. I think the spicy title absolutely must be Sada Abe and the Penile Parachute. N- knife to meet oh you. Oh my god. Sada Abe, <laughs> yeah, no. knife to that meet you. That doesn't work because she only really used a knife the a knife, few times. Yeah. What about Sada Abe and the yeah, Penile I... Parachute? It's like a. I, I just like, like little... the Penile Parachute. Yeah. I All think right. I think that's it has to be because it sounds a lot like Percy Jackson and the Olympians. You can just be Sada uh, yeah, Abe in the penile parachute. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there we go. You're right. All right. It's like the we perfect. It's like a it's like a YA a novel title. A I love novel it. Oh, it's a thousand. Sure. It's a thousand percent a YA novel. But so that's that was my story. Um, I think it did bring us kind of like a little bit over time because I told you it was long. Yeah, yeah. Like Your my both of long. my stories that I had were were was long. So if you have a story yeah. written for next time out, or you're, I mean, if you want to tell it now, like it's kind of Me? it's up to you. Yeah, I mean, no, we I mean, could. I'm, like, I'm not it, gonna go through the process of making this a two hour episode. Next week, if I steal all the time again, we can have Matt start I'll, up. Yeah, I'll tell the story next time. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We, no, I mean, we good. did announce to the audience that there was a possibility that this hour was going to be just one of us making goofs in the background while everyone else told stories. So they were prepared. I was prepared. I'm emotionally ready for the episode to be over if that's if that's where we're at. How I do we think, feel? I do think we that's wanna... good. I'm... Yeah. Zach has to be up at 5 only... a.m. Yes. So yeah. I don't want to, like, think, tell a 20-minute story. Listen, yeah, I'm no, good I with can, it. We, you don't have to okay. convince yeah. me. All right. 
Well, on that note, hey everyone, I'm here to tell you about our social medias before I go. <laughs> Sorry, it just feels yeah. good to interrupt you for once. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, as Matt uh, kind of talked about a little bit, we do have a Patreon, which is pretty dang cool. Uh, you can get uh, What the Fuck After Dark, which is our before and after and some of the uncut stuff from the episodes there. Guys, uh, you can always also... before. It's literally never been after. It's happened once or twice. <laughs> But you, uh, you can also, if you sign up for our $10 level, you can get episodes uh, actually the Thursday before everyone else gets them. And you get the unedited episode, which is the After Dark, anything that gets cut from the episode and uh, any other like little bonus bits thrown in there. So if you just can't get enough of us and you want to listen to two hours of us talk, well, we have that option for you. <laughs> Um, you can also, if you don't want to be, can't support us monetarily, or you don't want to support us monetarily. I mean, we just hope that you can. Like, we hope that you want to. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I don't know up. why you brought that option in and made all of us sad. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you can also look at us up on Facebook and follow us there, where we post mostly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Depends on if we're tired, but like, hey, sometimes we slip up. You can also find us on Instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions. And again, the Patreon is patreon.com slash triumvirate productions. Uh, if, again, you're already following us, you're already doing all the Patreon stuff, and you just want to find a way to help us out, or none of the other stuff sounds appealing to you, uh, you can give us a rating and review on iTunes and Spotify. It is a really easy way to help us get seen by other people that are not you. Uh, and all you got to do is just put a little five star on there and you did, you did your good deed for the day. Thanks. Gold star for you. Good job, buddy. Good job, buddy. And that's good it. Job. That's all I got. I fully right. just disassociated just now. My I brain so went sorry. My brain went to a completely different place. I had there was something that I was going to say. Uh, and it was on the tip Is of my... Is there life on Mars, Matt? Uh, <laughs> you went off planet for a second. I was off world. Uh, it was on the tip of my tongue. Um, hang on, I'll get it back here in just a... Oh okay. yeah, here it is. What the fuck, history? Selling a little? Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.